Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Don't Fuck With Ghosts, the podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your Blost sisters. I am Betsy. And I am Greer. I'm sweaty. <laughs> I am also moist. It's kind of hot in here, but I think that's also because I always get a little bit nervous before we record, so my body just, the temperature nat- naturally spikes. Same. And we're also <laughs> both wearing leggings, socks, and sweatshirts, so yeah. we're not, like, helping ourselves out, necessarily. No, but then if I wasn't, like... Then we'd be cold. It'd, it'd be, be a cold a sweat, you know? Other... It would be there's... so complicated for us both. <laughs> there's no winning. No. There's no. no winning at all. Well, I'm happy to be back. I know. Me too. It's been a minute. We're still dealing with a lot of stuff but it's good to like find the time to come and record fun episodes for you guys yeah and researching this week gave me a little serotonin boost that i needed and i was like my god this is so fun researching is fun (laughs) um honesty hour i really could not get myself to research for this episode at all like i just my brain was blocking. I didn't want to do what didn't want to do it. And then just like you said, the minute I started Googling and like getting my facts down, I was like, Oh wait, this is actually so nice. Yeah. I think a lot of the struggle lately for me and I feel like for you too, has just been like the motivation of getting ourselves to do things. Yes. Like even little things. Like I stayed up until two last night, just fucking scrolling on my phone. And I, I knew I was like, if I sit down on my bed right now, I am not going to get ready for bed and then it it was 2 a.m and i was like well i guess i should go brush my teeth and it took like a lot in me to get up (laughs) yeah so i understand i similarly was up until 2 a.m but that's because i was angry at the world the world and everything that's also fair but um yeah moral of the story is like it's hard to motivate yourself to do things sometimes and for very legitimate reasons but like sometimes doing the thing that you don't want to do can actually bring you a lot of joy yes Yes, There's exactly. There's some wisdom at the top and of this episode for you guys. I had a realization also, I think it was yesterday or the day before that. No, it was a couple days ago. Um, I was listening to Hot Ghoul Podcast, shout out Carrie and Renee. Shout out. Um, and they were talking about the 27 Club. Oh. And yeah, which if you don't know the 27 Club is, one, go listen to their episode. But also it's like a conspiracy about a whole bunch of different celebrities over the past few decades that tragically passed away at 27 um and at the end of the episode they talked about a different conspiracy as to you know maybe like what was going on and they talked about saturn's return are you familiar with that it's like an astrological I've heard phenomenon it. i honestly know nothing about what it is i hadn't I, i'd also heard of it like just the name like saturn's return i was like oh yeah that sounds familiar but they were talking about how it means like Saturn returns to the same place in the night sky that it was when you were born mm-hmm. and it usually happens on your 27th year it can happen between 26 and 29 but it tends to happen on your 27th year and it's like the world is like teaching you a lesson it's like sh- throwing a shit storm at you oh wow to see, to see how you deal essentially <laughs> um you know it's a spiritual awakening that kind of thing like and I was like well that's what's happening, I guess. Wow. Does it happen every 27 or so, so usually, years? Yeah, or just it tends to happen 27 year, and then I think they also said your 50s or 60s, and then, like, your 80s. That so basically sense, pivotal yeah. pivotal times of your of your life. Yeah, like, every kind of third of your life, yeah. give or take. like, entering adult, like, full-on adulthood, and then, like, 
like senior ish or like then you're like your kids leave home or whatever and you have to re like learn who you are after your kids leave home and then like entering your elderly years wow that's crazy yeah I've never yeah I've always heard that phrase and just never like looked into what it actually means yeah so and then they were talking about how like oh yeah and then then when I thought about it like I thought about my 27th year and how much of a shit show it was and like I learned so much from it but like it was really really hard and I was like yep Mm -hmm. that's what's going on (laughs) right now and I feel like we know a lot of other people who are really struck like all all of our friends are pretty much our age I feel like we know a lot of people who are like kind of going through it right now so like as we were going through it I was you know and talking to all of our friends and family and everything and it's like yeah I think everyone's going through it right now so yeah, I <laughs> I'm kind of in in the process of learning who I am as my full adult self now and I'm I'm entering what I've been calling my witchy era. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of weekends ago I went um to this little town called Aquaquan, super super cute. Um and they have a bunch of crystal shops and I bought a bunch of crystals and now there's crystals all over my apartment and my desk at work. And she got a couple for me, which was, and yeah. her friend Nikki, who we had on the podcast, so you guys yeah. know. Um, so that, that was very nice. Yeah. And so I got crystals and then I got a few spells and I actually did my first spell last new, or last full moon. Um, and I have a calendar at my apartment that's like a witchy calendar and it has a spell for each month <laughs> and basically it it I got wildflower seeds and it told me to do it under the light of the full moon and stir the seeds in a bowl counterclockwise and like focus on like what I wanted to bring into my life for over the next few weeks or the next month and then scatter the seeds which I then just oh you have to leave it under the full moon um all night and then you scatter them so I did that and then um I threw the seeds off my balcony <laughs> also there's a cardinal <gasps> out the window no. oh he just flew away oh he flew oh, to I another branch you, I believe you I can't see him yeah he's a little above your eyes oh. you see him oh I see him yeah oh Green and I love cardinals yeah they're supposed to be, um, like, a visit from a, a dead loved one. Yeah. So and they also... Really beautiful. Maybe it's only when you see them in snow, but isn't it supposed to be, like, a symbol of hope? May- maybe. That I've heard. I've heard that because it's, like, supposed to symbolize, you know, growth and birth from yeah. the cold, dark winter. I would, I would believe that. <laughs> yeah. And um, they also say that about robins, and I saw robins the other day. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um... I think you should explain to the people how you got into your witchy era. Like, because that's always been a part of who you are, but I feel yeah. like it's really come out over the last couple of months, which has been cool yeah, to I've, see. Yeah, I, I was telling this to my therapist the other day. I was like, I've always been a spiritual person, but now that, like, I'm really tapping into myself and, like, who I am as a person, I, I feel like there's energy. In, I've always felt like there's energy in everything, so I, like, try to channel that and, like... Even if it is all bullshit, like, it's meditative for me, um, and it brings me a lot of clarity and calmness, like, when I'm trying to focus on, like, what I want to bring into my life, um, and so that's what I did with that full moon spell, but also when I went to Aquaquan, I, we went to this one store, which is where I got your crystals, and I got a new moon ritual kit, um, and I asked the woman who worked there was so cool. I don't know where she's from, but she I, I'm going to take a guess and say she was Romanian because she had like a very 
Eastern European Slavic accent, mm-hmm. and she just, like, looked... She looked Romanian to me, yeah. and, I, and <laughs> she was super, super cool and super beautiful, and I was like, um how does this work, ma'am? <laughs> because, you know, I'm obviously new to all of this and I'm just trying to tap into it. And so she explained it to me like step by step. And she was so like ethereal and explaining it. And like, um, basically she gave me this card that was like a postcard from their store and you write down your affirmations for the month and you put, it came with a moonstone and a sunstone and you put them on each side of the card and it came with a black candle and you light the candle and then it came with incense. And after you write down your affirmations, you light the incense. And then while it's smoking, you write in the air, like with the smoke, your oh, affirmations. That's really cool. And you say it out loud mm-hmm. to like speak it to the universe. And I kind of, um, after I like let the incense keep burning out, that's when I, I actually added tarot into it. So that's another thing. I'm teaching myself how to read t- tarot. And um, I, like, read a few articles about, like, how to incorporate your oracle cards into new moon rituals. And so my affirmations that I had written down were give myself love, allow myself to be happy, and embrace what is coming, and my, I drew three tarot cards. Like, I shuffled the cards, and I drew three tarot cards. The first one was the hermit, which resembles spiritual journey. Oh. It doesn't resemble, like, being, like, a hermit? Like, staying? Well, it, it could resemble a few things, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, mainly it's just a journey. You can interpret oh, that however you yeah. want. Like, a physical journey. Like, are you going to travel somewhere? Mm-hmm. Are you going to bop around? <laughs> um, or is it more of, like, a spiritual journey, and it's, like, very, like okay, you're being introspective. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> pretty on the nose. Yeah. And then the second one was the moon. Which means? Which basically means releasing your fears. And it also talked about full moon, new moon, like... <gasps> Right, I was be introspective. Right, I was gonna say pulling that during yeah, your new moon ritual. Exactly, was pretty I was significant. like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> and also with tarot, you you tend to like ask it questions before you pull it, right? And so like I kind of, I like prayed to God, and I also prayed <laughs> to my ancestors. <laughs> I was like, please tell me like what I should be focusing on for like the next month, the next coming weeks, and introspection. You know, following my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm focusing on my intentions for the month. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was the empress in reverse, which means give myself love. Wow. And so I was reading all these. I was like the hermit. Okay. So allowing myself to be happy, you know, Mm -hmm. like following my spiritual journey, tapping into who I'm really becoming the moon, releasing all my fears, like embrace what is coming and then give myself love. And like, I, the candle was like burning down, right? And I like su- kind of out loud summarized each card. Mm-hmm. And after I read the last card, the candle went out. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy that like, I mean, I don't know how tarot works necessarily, but it's just, I feel like it can't be a coincidence that you pulled three cards that were so aligned with, with exactly my, what you're my going through right now. And the, yeah. they were all major arcana, which is crazy. What does that mean? So like, you know, in tarot, there's like the cups, there's the symbols for the cups, the wands, the swords and and pentacles Mm -hmm. and so like 
all of those, like the two of cups, three of cups, like those numbered with those symbols is minor arcana. And then major arcana is like the, like the more symbolic cards, like the moon, the sun, the world, the tower, the empress, the, um, the, like those kind of cards. Mm -hmm. And they're usually a bit more significant. Like they carry more weight. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Um, so I don't know. I just like doing that was very meditative to me. And like, obviously tarot, I use basically to be really self-reflective and it's like just helped with a lot of self-growth. And I feel like I'm really becoming the coolest version of myself, which feels really good. And you deserve that too. Yeah. And I also feel like at the end of the day, like if tarot, like you doing tarot and like learning all these new things isn't harming anyone. So like you were saying earlier, like, well, even if it's bullshit, it makes me feel good. I don't think it's bullshit, but I think at the end of the day, you're not harming anyone by doing this. And like, you're learning things about yourself. Yeah. And And actually like when I first told you I was learning tarot and I was like watching tarot talk uh nonstop and it was like my entire FYP. You told me something that really stuck with me. It was like, I was like, even if it's bullshit, like, I don't care. It makes me feel good. And you were like, well, if it makes you feel good, it's not bullshit. Damn, I said that. You're so wise. I am. <laughs> right. With wisdom. No, but that's so, so true. Yeah. yeah. If, if you find meaning in it, in anything, not just tarot, it could be meaning in any, like, form of expression or something that you're learning, then it's not bullshit if it brings you value. Exactly. So that applies to so many things. Amen. So, yeah, I'm... I'm, I also started listening to, like, witch podcasts. There's this one called Invoking Witchcraft, which is really cool. Um, and they talk about all these different ways to, like, protect yourself and um, that sort of thing. I actually, <laughs> now that I feel like I've kind of tapped more into witchcraft and, like, just spiritualism, I, I've been... Um, kind of listening to our own advice and like a few of our paranormal protection tips um you probably didn't notice but i lined all of the windowsills with salt wait i didn't um, notice it's interesting because so i left i leave my window open a lot and you can see little droplets do you see little droplets of water yeah i see those that that used to be salt (gasps) oh and so like the i don't know if it condensed you know because the the window was open so like the the moisture from the air like oh no i can feel the salt oh it's still in there yeah okay so i lined all of (laughs) my window cells with salt i have um an evil eye that isabel gave to us i have i have my evil eye where do you have yours um it's actually in my dresser i have i forget what that one is called i think a Hamzai? H- Hamza? H-A-M-S-A, yeah. I think. And then I have my dream catcher. And I have the right white roses, oh. which are symbolic for a few reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I have my evil eye. There's like a light switch by the front door of our apartment, and it doesn't work. And I have it hung over one of the switches and just like stays at the front of my apartment. Yeah. For, I don't really know like if it's supposed to be where you like enter and exit, but it seems like a good place to like yeah. be on the I watch kind of want to get an evil eye necklace because it's supposed to like I think it's the it's the eye looking back at people's eyes that are like sending you bad juju, mm-hmm. you know. Um but yeah, I think just having one in general is, is we'll get more into this because this may or may not be a paranormal protection tip of the week coming up shortly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so I've also been watching, I've been binging the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm already on the last season. 
<laughs> there's only four because they canceled it because of COVID, which I'm really sad about <laughs> because so sad. because that probably means it's going to end on a cliffhanger and I'm never oh, going to get any yeah. resolve. Um, but like they are satanic witches and it's very dark and I'm like, <laughs> like I, I, that's why I lined the, this windowsills with salt because I was like, I'm doing my own spells, my own rituals. Like I am not pulling any of my like self-reflection or power from the devil, I swear. <laughs> and then, like, I'm listening to that podcast that I told you about, mm-hmm. um, Invoking Witchcraft. And one of the hosts is a cat. He's a pa- practicing Catholic. He's a he's a Catholic witch. And so both of them talk about how they and the other one. She was raised Christian, and I don't think she's practicing anymore. But she both of them incorporate Christianity and like prayer into their witch practice. That's so interesting because I've I've always thought that like witchcraft and Christianity or Catholicism would really be in conflict with each other because I, I guess I don't understand like but you said like you said let me finish my thought what I didn't understand is like how could you if you're a practicing Christian like pray to God but then if you're also practicing witchcraft like be doing like spells or incantations or something that is like going to some other entity but like you said yeah. when you were doing your new moon ritual I think that was the one that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You like said a prayer to God yeah. and to your ancestors. So mm-hmm. it sounds like they can be, yeah, and they, talk, they don't they have said, to be in conflict. They said exactly that. Like you can pull your power from basically anything. Like they pull it like from saints. They talk mm-hmm. to saints a lot. Um, and one of them is, he's comes from the Mexican community. So he pulls from a lot of like Mexican saints and spirits. Um, and like even your, your ancestors, so mm-hmm. that's interesting. I thought it was really cool. I was like, yeah. I'll be okay if I just pray <laughs> to the Lord. Um, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my life update. I guess. <laughs> I'm entering my witchy era and I told Greer, but I just bought a shit ton of new clothes <laughs> to align with said era. <laughs> the Pinterest just, mood board. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I sometimes I would like when it was really slow at work, I would just scroll on that Pinterest board because I mean, why it not? It made me feel good. It's not bullshit. Better than it makes you feel work. good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. we have on our outline as well that you have a Potty Patrice update. It's very small, okay. but it is an update because last time I talked about Potty Patrice, she hadn't been active since before the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's come back. Not oh. for me, but for my Potty Patrice um, correspondent. Yes. She told me that she was in the stalls alone and she heard the paper towel machine go <gasps> off. Like uh, she was alone in, yeah. in the bathroom and she was nowhere near the sensor. And oh she gosh. heard it go off. Ooh. So she's Chilly alive t- and well. Well, she's dead and well, but she's... Oh, I thought you were talking no, about my co-worker. Your co-worker <laughs> yes, Patrice, is alive and well. Potty Patrice, Patrice is, is dead active and, and well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I wonder so. if she likes that you've named her Patrice. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, she hasn't done anything bad to me, but I haven't... <laughs> I haven't... Um, I have gone... I went to that bathroom last week, actually, because I was in that area for a meeting and but I wasn't alone so she didn't make herself known although I was in the bathroom near my new desk and I I can't I can't be certain but I felt like the door like the door I always hit the handicap button to open it and for like a split second I thought that it had opened before I'd hit it and I was like oh maybe somebody's coming in but nobody, but was nobody was there. Ooh, and, and it's I was not like, and then I was, it, 
no, it's not motion censored. Somebody has to hit the button. Um, and then I was like, wait, I did that thing where I was like, did it open before I yeah. hit the button? Or am I just like flip-flopping the, the, the memory? Like, it was weird. But it was weird, and I had that weird sense of like, what just happened? And I, I couldn't remember in my head, and it literally just happened. Maybe this ghost clouded your brain and made you unable to remember. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. Anything is possible. That building is haunted. That is for certain. That is definitely <laughs> for certain. You can trust us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, do you want to tell the folks who are listening what we'll be talking about today? Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about all things extraterrestrial. Well, Ooh. should we explain first that what we're doing, we're going to do mini episodes out sure. of this? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, we're still trying to get back into the swing of podcasting. And like we said, we're talking about earlier, it can be kind of hard to like get ourselves in a space to do, do things every now and then. So we figured a good solution until we can really get back into the rhythm is to do, um, release mini episodes. So instead of the usual spiel where we, you know, we do our intro and then I tell my story, Betsy tells her story or vice versa. And then we conclude, we're going to be doing one story per episode for this episode and the next one. And then we'll see how that, if we decide to keep doing that for a little while after that. Yeah. Cause this way it doesn't put extra work on us, but we can still release episodes on a more consistent basis, which yeah. we definitely want to do. Yeah. We love sharing content with you all. So. Yeah. We don't want you guys to have to go for too long in between episodes. And I think we said this last time, but we very much appreciate your patience and understanding with like the last few months and everything that's gone on. So we, um, are conscious of like protecting our well-being and stuff, but we do want to put stuff out for you guys to listen to because it's fun for us, and we we hope and you know know that you guys enjoy it as well. So that disclaimer aside, today we're going to be talking about all things extraterrestrial, and yes. um, same for the next episode as well. And I am going to be talking specifically about the UFO abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Um, which took place in 1961, and their experience and story would become the first ever widely publicized alien abduction account. Oh, my god! I know, which is crazy. Is and this from, I'm going to guess, the 60s? Mm-hmm, 1961. Yeah, that was, like, when it, all that shit started going down. Mm-hmm. Or at least started getting documented. Yeah, and they said, um, which I think I mentioned this in my notes a little farther down, but as I was doing my research, um, multiple sources stated, like, this isn't the first time that this has happened or that people had reported interaction with like UFOs or extraterrestrials. This was just the first story that really caught traction and people um, like heard of through the media and through like word of mouth. So this is the first widely publicized alien abduction account. So let's get into it. Barney and Betty Hill were an interracial married couple who lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire um, in the 50s and 60s. And there being an interracial couple will come into play um, towards the end of the story. They were, by all accounts, ordinary people. Barney worked for the U.S. Postal Service, and Betty was a social worker, social worker who handled child welfare cases. They were really active in their local church, and they participated in activities related to the civil rights movement. So, um, by all accounts, they were just normal upstanding citizens in their community, normal people. Uh, their jobs, which required long hours and for Barney, a long commute left them feeling really exhausted and in need of a break. So in September of 1961, after being married for just around 16 months, the young couple decided to take a road trip through Montreal and Niagara Falls with their dog, Delcy. Oh, 
Yeah. There's a picture I will share on Instagram of the three of them, and their dog is, like, in their picture, and he's very cute looking. What kind of dog is it? It looked brown on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Did it look like, like a lab? A, I think it or... looked like a lab. Okay. Um, I should have had the picture pulled up, but I can do that later. It's okay. So, um, they go on this road trip, and on their way back to their hometown of hometown of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, on September 19th, 1961, Betty and Barney stopped in a diner in Vermont at around 10 p.m. to get a cup of coffee. Um, they then decided to continue driving through the night and figured they would get home by, like, 2 or 3 a.m. at the latest. Just They wanted to finish the drive and just get home and be done with it. But they could have never predicted what they were about to experience. Whee! <laughs> At around 10.30 p.m., just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, they began to see a strange, bright light in the sky. And at first, the couple thought maybe it was a shooting star or maybe it was a satellite. Nothing really that they needed to worry about. But as they kept an eye on the light, it seemed to follow their car, even as they began driving down really big, winding mountain roads. The light seemed to move erratically, zigzagging across the sky, and seemed like it was playing a game of cat and mouse with their car. Betty encouraged Barney to stop the car over so they could get a better look and to walk their dog. They pulled over at a picnic area just south of Twin Mountain in New Hampshire. Betty looked through a pair of binoculars that they found in their trunk and described what she saw as a, quote, odd-shaped spinning craft with multicolored lights that traveled across the face of the moon. Barney at first thought he was looking at a commercial airplane traveling toward Vermont on its way to Montreal, but changed his mind when the pair noticed the craft rapidly descending in their direction, as if it was going to follow their car. Barney had an IQ of 140, and I didn't know what that meant. I was like, that could mean he's an idiot. Like, I don't know. So I Googled it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm the idiot. (laughs) And apparently an IQ of between 130 and 144 means you're moderately gifted. So he was like a pretty smart guy. Um... And he was described generally as a pragmatic man who wouldn't be the kind to jump to conclusions about things like UFOs or extraterrestrials without really good reason. Barney didn't want to scare Betty, but he noted that it was just too quiet outside for the mysterious craft to be either a helicopter, a commercial plane, or even a military jet. So, like, it was moving around a lot, getting closer to them, but it wasn't really making that much noise. The couple got back in their car and continued driving on the isolated, winding road slowly so they could keep an eye on the craft. Comparing it to the rock formations in the mountains that they were driving through, Betty was able to estimate that the craft was about 40 feet long. And again, that means nothing to me. I don't know anything about distance, so I googled it. And 40 feet long is about the length of five smart cars all (laughs) lined up. So not huge, but also like not small either and definitely big enough to carry passengers on the inside and several passengers at that. So about one mile south of the Franconia Notch, which is a mountain pass that goes through the White Mountains of New Hampshire, Barney and Betty said that the craft rapidly descended even further toward their car hovering about 80 to 100 feet in the air above their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, which is their car model. It's, it was like it was a fun detail I wanted to include. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, I mean, it, it paints a picture of the times. So. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I bet it was, I should, once again, I didn't Google what it looked like, but I bet it looked very cool. Barney described the craft as big as a jet, but as flat and round as a pancake. The craft filled their entire view in their windshield, So, like, imagine how 
big this thing must have felt in comparison to their car when they looked out their car windshield all they could see was this craft like no other parts of the sky or the land it was just this thing hovering above them uh so barney parked the car left the engine running and got out with his pistol in his hand and walked closer to the flying craft this pistol i know i was (laughs) like why do you okay sure um he also had his binoculars in his back pocket Barney claims that through his binoculars, he saw between 8 to 11 humanoid figures wearing glossy black uniforms staring directly at him from inside the craft. Mm. Barney realized deep within him that they were about to be captured, even though he didn't understand fully what was going on. So he ran back to the car where Betty was still sitting. All of a sudden, and without explanation, Betty and Barney heard loud, rhythmic beeps coming from the trunk of their car. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just about to like that. <laughs> like from SpongeBob Crabborg. Yes. Okay. Okay. The couple instantly became drowsy and lost consciousness, and they came to around two hours later and 35 miles down the road. So it didn't, like, uh, it didn't say whether they came to, like, they were driving and all of a sudden they came awake. Or, or if, like, the car was off the car, or something. My guess is the car was off or was just still parked, even if the engine was running and it was just... But they were on the road. Completely like, somewhere else. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I know. Isn't that terrifying? Yes. <laughs> okay. So after finishing the drive home, Barney and Betty began to notice changes and experience odd sensations and impulses that they couldn't easily explain away. So I'm going to read um, a list of the things that they experienced. First, Betty insisted that their luggage be kept near the back door of the house rather than the front door of their house. And she had no understanding of why she needed that to be. But that was something she insisted, like if they were going to be traveling to leave their stuff by the back of their house. Their watches stopped working. The leather strap from Barney's binoculars were torn, although he had no memory of tearing them himself or of them being caught on anything that would tear them. The toes on his best dress shoes were scraped inexplicably. Barney was compelled to examine his genitals, even though he found nothing unusual. (laughs) This was noted several times in several sources. I mean, honestly, if I were going to get abducted by aliens after the fact, I would probably check there, too. Yeah, same. Because, you know, you you could get probed up the booty. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the couple also, when they got home, immediately felt compelled to take long showers to remove any possible contamination. And they drew pictures of what they observed, which I I can pull up later. Betty also noticed a pinkish powder on her dress, as well as tears in the dress at the hem, zipper, and lining. And most confusing, I think for me, is they said they were shiny, concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there previously. Whoa. So, like, something... I'm envisioning, like, somebody branded these circles into the trunk of their car, and that's where the beeping was coming from. But they yeah. just were like, we don't know what these circles are, where they came from, or, like, what they mean. They then tried to reconstruct the timeline of what happened to them during their UFO sighting and their drive home, but their memories became extremely fragmented after the sequential beeping in the trunk of their car, which is when they began to become drowsy and eventually lost consciousness. 
In the weeks and months that followed, Betty checked out books from the library to research about their experience. She came across a civilian UFO group called (laughs) the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, um, or NICAP, which I'm just going to call NICAP. Uh, So she and Barney sat down for a six-hour interview with NICAP member and astronomer Walter N. Webb on October 21st, 1961. So he's both into this UFO stuff, but also a professional astronomer. So I think that, in my mind, that gives legitimacy to the organization and therefore to their experiences. Mm -hmm. But anyway, after Betty and Barney shared with Webb much of what um, I described earlier in my story, uh, Webb concluded that the two, quote, were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. So I think he was basically just saying, I think they're telling the truth. I think this happened. But because, like, the human memory is inherently flawed, there are some inconsistencies. But that's not because of them lying. It's because the human brain can't right. recall every detail perfectly. Yeah. But that was, like, a long sentence that he said. It took me a couple <laughs> times to be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my gosh. In the days after the incident, Betty began having vivid and disturbing dreams that were more intense and detailed than any dreams she'd ever had before. In November of 1961, she began writing down her dreams. And in one, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and there were two men surrounding their car. She realized that she was being forced by these two small men to walk into the forest at night and looked behind her to see Barney walking alone in some sort of trance. The small men escorting her were about five feet tall and wore matching blue uniforms and caps. They looked nearly human, she described, with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, bluish lips, and totally gray skin. Ew. I know. This is just giving me so many men in black vibes. I've never seen men in black. I think we've talked about this before because I'm when sure I was talking have. about the black-eyed kids. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we have this There's exact. a theory that they're aliens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should watch it sometime. I'll be down. Uh, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a movie where, like, I know I should watch it, but because I know I should watch it, I know I'll eventually at some point in my life watch it, so I'm in no rush. You're never going to watch it. This is true. <laughs> Barney and Betty began to meet with a psychiatrist and a neurologist named Benjamin Simon, who specialized in hypnosis, which was a mainstream treatment or technique that people used at the time. I would never want to be hypnotized. Yeah, that really scares me. Yeah. I just, like, there's no need. And just, like, the thought of not being in control of your own mind basically yeah it sounds terrible i need to be control in control of like everything so yeah (laughs) i would not work out well um continuing while hypnotized barney recounted their experience reporting that after parking the car and getting out to look up at the ufo he saw six men standing in the dirt road they approached him and told barney not to fear him Barney described these six men very similarly to the gray-skinned blue-suited men that betty had seen in her dreams He recounted the leader telling him to close his eyes, and as he did, he could feel another pair of eyes pressing into his. I don't even know what that feels like because we have, like, our noses would prevent that from happening, but, like, just he said he could, he could, even though his eyes were closed, he could feel, like, I don't know if it was, like, the the blue-suited alien men's eyes or something else. Do you mean, like, literally pressing in or, like, he could, or he felt like somebody was staring at no, him? No, like, literally eyeballs pressing into his eyeballs. 
I'm in, like, <laughs> he doesn't really explain why he thinks that was, but to me, that feels like if you were an alien and you didn't know how humans acted and you were trying to, like, understand their brain, that's what that feels like to me. Like, you would literally press your face up against them to try to get, like, a Maybe transfer that meant they of... they didn't have a nose like they were Voldemort, you know? Maybe. I mean, gray skin. He has gray skin. And Betty, during her hypn- hypnotic sessions... Hypnotic, Hip- funky, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Betty. Betty, <laughs> Betty pretty much recounted the same exact experiences that she had had in her very vivid dreams um, while hypnotized. There were a few differences, including a difference in the technology that she described aboard the craft and slight differences in the appearance of the short men. But overall, both Betty and Barney's stories that they told while hypnotized were consistent with one another. So there was no, like... Betty said this detail and Barney refuted it. They were overall very in sync with one another. So I want to read an excerpt from history.com, which is one of the articles that I used that describes Barney and Betty's experience on board the craft that was pieced together from their two, the stories they told under. Um, Do they have an idea of like how long they were on there? Or is it kind of all a blur? Um, it so they time talked. Wise. Yeah, they talked <laughs> about like one of the things that they experienced was a I think they called it loss of time. Mm. So like they just don't know. I mean, like the the time that they were gone from gone in quotes or really from when they like parked their car and when they re- or came to thirty five miles later. I think that was like a few hours had passed, but they had said like they had no concept of how long they were actually on this craft for because I feel like if you're abducted time time doesn't isn't really the same no on earth as it is you know in other planes yeah nope (laughs) okay so this is the excerpt from the article that um, describes their stories that they shared while hypnotized independently from one another so a vessel had landed on their car putting them to sleep afterwards gray beings walked them up a long ramp and into the spacecraft Once inside, the couple was separated, taking turns in an examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the the center. Barney and Betty were each asked to climb up onto a metal table, and the table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the side. So, like, as in he's laying down and his legs are dangling from the end. Not like he's sitting, and it's so short that his feet can touch the ground. Oh, weird. Because okay. they, and I think that's because the aliens are so short. They were like five feet tall yeah. that they didn't need a table to accommodate however tall Barney was, which was clearly taller than five feet. Mm-hmm. During the examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, which would explain the rips in Betty's dress and the scuffs on Barney's shoes, plucked strands of their hair, and took cl- clippings of their nails and scraped their skin. Ew. Each sample was placed on a clear material, not unlike a glass slide. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs, and spines, and one large needle around four to six inches long was inserted into <gasps> Betty's belly. Ew! Oh my god. Oh, that's crazy that they remember all that. I know. Oof, God. Um, the article says this pregnancy test, which I don't know if it actually was a pregnancy test, but that's what it described it as. This pregnancy test left her twisting and writhing in pain. <gasps> Four to six inches for a needle is huge. Yeah, that's like, like that's like a big needle. Like I, I feel like the longest needle I hear of is like an epidural needle. 
And those yeah. are long and like kind of thick, thick yeah. right? Ugh, so God. if and whenever I have a child and I'm going through Ugh. labor, I, well, first of all, I'm going to want all the drugs. Yeah, same. Like props to the to people that are able to have unmedicated births. I don't know how they do it. I, I need the drugs. But also, when that <laughs> epidural needle comes through, I'm not going to look at it. I'm gonna be like, okay, tell me when you're coming in so I can close my eyes <laughs> so I don't see the needle. I know. <laughs> because. But wouldn't that, I feel like I, I sabotage myself where I would need to know. I would need to know how big it is. Are you one of those is? people that watches when that you get shots? Not shots so much, but like, like getting blood my blood taken. drawn. Do you I, watch it? Because I have to know. Because I no. can't be I can't I be taken by surprise. I would pass out. I would simply pass out. <laughs> like I'm probably I'm getting a tattoo this week, and I'm probably gonna look when I when she starts doing the yeah. Tattooing. I looked out at when he was doing my tattoo, just because like nothing was going in and nothing was coming out. Yeah, I guess that is different. I mean, I hate getting my blood drawn, but I can't. I can't be taken by surprise. I have. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. Once know, it's in, I look away. I don't know what it is, but something about just like the needle going in oh i mean it's disgusting it really ugh, freaks me out yeah it's awful anyway <laughs> sidetrack so, so this pregnancy test left her twisting and writhing in pain and throughout each of their individual experiences betty and barney felt like there was somebody who was called the leader watching from the side so there was somebody in charge of all these little minions doing their experiments watching them happen after Betty's examination ended, the humanoid beings rushed back into her room and excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed, but Betty laughed, explaining that Barney had dentures, a fact of human aging the beings struggled to understand. <laughs> I'm just, like, imagining them looking at the dentures and, like, playing with them, trying to figure out what the hell they are. It's like, this is not made of, of bone. What is this? Um, also, I think I misspoke earlier and said that they were a young couple. They were... Definitely not young. I think I just said that because they had been married for a shorter period of time, okay. and I just like misspoke. But they They're were like not, they were not, or something. Yeah, they weren't like old, old, but they weren't young. Okay. Um. So anyway, later when she was alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. Uh, the being joked with her and said, "Quote: If you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am." End quote. That's a very, like, alien thing to say, because what does that mean? It's like, what kind of a riddle head ass? <laughs> <laughs> um, and later, under hypnosis, she drew a star map shown to her on the ship. I haven't seen pictures of this, but it sounds like she was just able to recount where they were in the galaxy at this time. Mm-hmm. So, when the psychiatrist Simon finished his hyp- hypnotherapy sessions, he wrote an article about them in the psych- Psychiatric Opinion, which was like a, a journal, and came to the conclusion that Betty and Barney were experiencing a case of singular psychological aberration, which is essentially a symptom of a mental or emotional disorder. So he thought they didn't actually have this experience. But, I mean, I don't believe his conclusion for several reasons, but what I'm about to say furthers my belief. Um, Because interestingly, Betty and Barney pretty much resumed their normal lives after this experience. And, like, they had lingering effects like the intense dreams and some, like, physical symptoms. But when I say they resumed their normal lives, they didn't, like, become, like, super famous from this. Like, they were willing to discuss their encounter with friends and family and, like, the occasional UFO researcher. But they really didn't seek out any further attention or publicity from what happened to them. And, like, I feel like if they were faking it, 
they would want more attention. Right. They would want attention because what would the purpose be otherwise? Mm -hmm. Yep. That I was going to say that like Mm -hmm. that kind of adds to the validity of what they're saying because they're just like they shared their story and they were done with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, in 1965, their story was picked up by a Boston newspaper, and it spread like wildfire. It became the subject of the best-selling book called The Interrupted Journey, Two Lost Hours Aboard a Flying Saucer. Two hours. There you go. But I don't, again, I don't know if that was two hours in our time or two hours, like, if they were in that ship for, like, 12 hours in, like, alien space time continuum Yeah, but it was, like, just two hours down here. Two hours of our time, yes. Oh, man. By author John G. Fuller, as well as a movie called The UFO Incident starring James Earl Jones. (gasps) Darth Vader. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Even I knew that. Are you proud of me? I am proud of you. Thank you. I'm not a Star Wars person. I'm not against it. It's just, it's not my thing. But I knew who James Earl Jones was immediately. Good. So, as I said at the start of my story, Barney and Betty were not the first people ever to spot a UFO, but their story was the first to be widely publicized. Before their story, alien encounters were generally perceived as friendly interactions. Um, But after learning about the medical examinations and missing time, people began to fear the unknown aliens, which is so interesting to me. Like, it sounds like before people read about Barney and Betty's stories, people who had interactions with UFOs or who just were curious about them experienced those interactions positively. Okay, I was wondering if they had actually had interactions or if they were, like, imagining what it would be like. Well, I think it's both because they said that there were people who had reported UFO incidents before them, but none of them really took off in the, like, in the media. Um, But after the story of them getting pro poked and prodded and stripped down and people were like oh this actually is a bit more sinister than perhaps we were initially thinking like maybe these aliens are trying to get something out of us rather than just communicating with us Mm -hmm. so experts and non-believers have struggled for decades to understand why otherwise smart mentally stable and successful people come forward with these wildly unbelievable experiences Some people think that their brains develop these allegedly false realities during sleep paralysis and hallucinations. Others assume that the stress specifically for Betty and Barney of being an interracial couple in the 1960s brought so much external stress upon the couple that they both suffered greatly in this shared hallucination. That is just rude. I agree. I know. Oh my god. But that's why I said at the top of the story that them being an interracial couple is like relevant later on in the story. Yeah, because people are like, oh well, you know, they're so oppressed that they were driven crazy. Like right. that's just it's like just I'm weird. sure they were just incredibly stressed and oppressed anyway, and I don't think that is what caused getting, them to think um, they were abducted, abducted by, aliens, by aliens probably added to the stress. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, I found that conclusion to be Uh, pretty insulting to them um, and to their experience. But despite decades of skeptics and naysayers, Betty and Barney sucked their story. The universe is so large and planet Earth is so small that I don't think it's impossible that Betty and Barney experienced something otherworldly on that drive home that fateful September night in 1961. And that is the story of Betty and Barney Hill's alien abduction. That's fascinating because that, like, not only is it, like, the first heavily documented case of alien abduction but it's so detailed i know like it's not just like oh yeah we saw this ufo and lost two hours of time like they remember Mm -hmm. what happened or at least a lot of it and i think it would be hard over the years especially as you're aging to 
if they were making this up, I think it would be hard for them to keep track of every single detail and keep the story consistent year over year over year over year. So I think for that reason, that's why they did. Like, I believe that they didn't make it up. But one thing that I couldn't find in my research, um, and maybe I just need to look further, I didn't see anything about anything happening to their dog. And I'd be really intrigued to know if anything happened to their dog because the alien figures they described were human-like, but I wonder if they'd ever seen a dog before, if they, like, did anything with their dog. I just just had a thought that I've never really thought that much about before. What? Re-aliens. I mean, because the only things that are reported are obviously of humans because those are the only beings on Earth that would be that have the ability to report mm-hmm. such an experience. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other life species on Earth besides humans that aliens would probably want to know about. And then now I'm thinking, like, well, how many animals on Earth have been abducted before and we just don't know it because they can't talk about it? Probably a decent amount. <laughs> Poor doggies. I know. <laughs> I know, but they didn't say anything bad about the dog either. So I think my conclusion is that the dog is fine. I think the dog was fine. fine. That dog's definitely dead now. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was fine. But yeah, it was a really interesting story. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I guess that um, brings us to our next segment. Um, This will be our paranormal protection tip of the week. Well, as I had mentioned earlier in this episode, we are going to be talking to you today about the use of evil eye and incorporating it into your accessories. So adorn yourself with the evil eye. This week, we're advising you to embrace the evil eye. The evil eye bracelet and any evil eye jewelry for that matter is meant to protect you from malicious and envious curses and absorb any negative energy sent to you. It is also used to ward off evil and provide positive light energy to outweigh the bad. So really, there's no harm in incorporating it into your life. And I bet you can find a lot of really cool ones um, on Etsy or other places online. Yeah. Some really nice earrings, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I guess with that, that concludes the first part of our two-part series on extraterrestrials. Yeah human interaction with them (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening um as always we appreciate you supporting us and we're happy for the community that we're building together with listeners and fellow paranormal spooky podcasters it's just very nice to have you all um so if you're not already a part of that community make sure to follow us on instagram and tiktok at dfwg podcast and we also encourage you to join our patreon which is patreon.com slash dfwg podcast and if you sign up, you can get a shout out in any future episodes. So shout out Brittany, Nikki, Jeremiah, and our newest patron, Katie. Mm-hmm. So happy to have you guys. Um, remember, you can send in any paranormal encounter that you've had to our email at dfwgpodcast at gmail.com. And please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. It really helps us out. So with that, remember, ward off that negative energy. And always stay away from Ouija boards. Bye. Bye, guys.